expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. In journalism, some beats are nicer than others. Some reporters find themselves working in war zones, others in disaster-stricken areas. Today, I sit down with one who has no complaints about where he works. Wally Santana is a photographer for the Associated Press who has lived and worked in Taiwan for the past 13 years. When you see a photo of Taiwan mixed in with the international headlines, there's a decent chance Wally is the one who took it. And to be fair, he's seen his share of war zones and disasters, but I met with him at the AP offices in Taipei to talk about what it's been like covering Taiwan. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Oh, you're welcome. So you've been in Taiwan since 1999, and at that time, AP decided to expand their bureau here in Taipei. Uh, what was the reason for that expansion back in 1999? Well, towards the end of the 90s, uh, Taiwan became the leader in microchip manufacturing, which was leading the world in computer manufacturing. And uh, so why was that important to an international audience? Well, when you start looking at the markets around the world and companies that were producing computers and, and the like, the most important would be go to the root, and uh, the root would be Taiwan. So what kinds of stories were you covering? What are the stories in Taiwan that would have affected that international supply chain that starts in Taiwan? Uh, I think all of us that live here on Taiwan uh, have felt an earthquake or two. Quite often an earthquake or typhoons could possibly affect the production line and the, and the timing of hard drives and computer chips, um, circuitry to be sent out to these the Fortune 500 companies. So uh, what, what kind of stories were you doing at that time? Well, we would be going out to the top foundries, uh, looking into how their supply and demand was being fulfilled, uh, obviously, depending on the earthquakes. Uh, when we had our 921 earthquake in September, that had put everyone back at least a week. They had to recalibrate machines. That's just to give you an example how this could affect the supply chain, which then threw off scheduling for months down the road throughout international companies. So what are the most common stories that you work on today? There's always been since, since the Civil War in 1949. We are still dealing with all aspects of China-Taiwan and the various angles of that. Uh, over the years, it's been friendly China governments. There's been something that considers free Taiwan angles, um, independent Taiwan angles, various aspects of, of that relationship, and which is constantly back and forth. So, like we said, you've been here since 1999. In 1999, of course, there was a huge earthquake, and that was one of the first stories that you covered when you got here. What was some of the challenges that you had trying to cover that story, being a newcomer to Taiwan? That was extremely difficult. I didn't know where northern Taipei was, let alone northern Taiwan. Um, I had just uh, arrived about two months earlier, and the earthquake was shortly after 1 a.m., shaken out of the bed and electricity was off the only uh, lights in town were from the cars i had very little chinese uh, that i could get myself from taipei down to these areas we didn't have the high-speed train obviously um, all the airports were closed it was extremely difficult physically getting to the epicenter and, and getting to see some of the, the main damaged areas 
So obviously, uh, over the last 13 years, infrastructure has improved a lot in Taiwan. Uh, how would you describe the experience of reporting in Taiwan today? Is it, is it a little bit easier? Reporting in Taiwan, living in Taiwan is ex- extremely wonderful. It's really our secret. We don't like to tell too many people because we, <laughs> we don't want too many foreigners to come, come and, uh, and, and crowd our areas. Encroach on your turf. That's right. As for reporting, the local and uh, and federal government, uh, national government, it's very open to uh, foreign news interests and to uh, questions, to interviews. Uh, th- there's always room to grow, and, and that takes both ways. But I think for the amount of foreign news medias that are here, I think it's fairly easy compared to other countries that are of the same level. Yeah, I mean, and that's especially surprising given the fact how new this democracy is. What do you think the foreign correspondents, what do you think their role has been in developing that dialogue between the press and the government in Taiwan? You know, like like you say, it, it has, you know, martial law ended in 1986-87, and since that time, People uh, have probably gone three different, four different career blocks in in government offices. And to understand what the foreign media needs is both in part relied on the government in understanding what foreign media needs and foreign media to have the patience to explain to the government what they need and why they need it. I think both have been very patient with each other and each year just seems to get easier, uh, the communication. Uh, what are some ways that you rely on the Taiwanese government to do your work? Well, being a photographer, it, it's not as important as to be a writer um, where you need a comment or, or an explanation for actions being done by the government. But access, access to either military events, political events, I've had very, very little trouble with that. I've been invited to, to witness all aspects of the government and the military for interest in in foreign media. Again, this is one of the most open and democratic uh, situations. Um, there's there's not much to hide here. What do you think your role has been in showing the face of Taiwan to the rest of the world? You know, as a photographer, as somebody who lives here and, and takes lots of pictures of, of this country. It's sometimes it's hard to call it work. A lot of what I do here in photography is part of Taiwan's culture, which is very rich. And a, a lot of people say this is a Chinese culture that you can't find on the mainland. That a lot of these rituals and, and religious ceremonies come from pre-cultural revolution. So you will find things here that, that you cannot find on the mainland anymore. So year-round, we've got... Religious events, Chinese New Year, we've got the Ghost Months, we've got uh, Mid-Autumn Festivals. So a lot of the festivals are, are pretty amazing to bring out to the West, uh, extremely colorful. So you have worked in many different countries, and you've photographed people and places in many different places. Taiwanese people are absolutely famous for their uh, generosity and, and, and their helpfulness with foreigners. What has your experience been like having Taiwanese people as your subjects? Again, it's hard to call it work. Um, being a part of uh, a Taiwanese a culture, a family, a situation, um, it's probably one of the easier, easier assignments that a photographer could have. Taiwanese people um, are, are very honest and they're very opening, open and very caring. They don't uh, 
feel that they have anything to hide. Um, if you're coming at them direct and honest, you're going to only receive direct and honest back at you. And they're the real deal. They're, they're not hiding anything. And is that different from your experience that you've had in other countries? Well, other countries, uh, you know, you, you could find places that are, that are tourist spots that the camera, the reporter has been to so many times before and uh, looking for a cliche kind of image that, that the person that's be the subject that's being photographed or interviewed um, might, might no longer actually be doing that. And they're only doing it for the photographer or for the story. But here in Taiwan, it's, uh, it's, it's as honest as you can get um, by, by not having so many foreign journalists or photographers here. They haven't had a time yet to uh, get bored of us. So it feels more authentic. They're not performing for you at all. There, there, is, there is no performance here. This is, this is the real deal. I asked Wally to show me some of the photos he's taken in Taiwan and explain a little bit about what they mean to him. Now, in this one, we're seeing uh, a giant military aircraft, big propellers, and uh, walking into the aircraft is a series of brides and grooms. All, all the brides have their veils back over their heads, so it looks like they just got married, maybe? Uh, what, are, what are we looking at here? Correct. I think we're uh, looking at the beginning of the honeymoon. Taiwan loves its ceremony, and weddings would not be uh, missed on that. So this was one of the quite common military uh, mass weddings. And uh, this was done in an airbase, and uh, you can see that the military uh, C-130 transport plane is fully detailed with hearts, symbolizing the love of the marriage, and uh, all the women with their bride's gowns and their veils over their head as not to be blown away um, boarding the plane. All right, let's take a look at the next one. Uh, so in this next one here, we're looking at uh, police in full riot gear. Uh, one of them is grimacing as uh, it looks like a smoke, maybe tear gas that they're running into. What are we looking at here? I think you got that right. This was part of the red shirt protest. This was a group that was uh, looking to get um, former President Chen Shui-bian to step down during, uh, well, halfway through his second term. This was during some of the corruption scandals that were going on. There was a lot of late night protest in front of the presidential office, hoping that he would step down. It continued into water cannons and tear gas before the police dispersed the crowds. All right, let's take a look at the next one. On this picture, we <laughs> we see a, a fairly, com well, at least a famous site uh, in Taiwan. We're looking at the legislative yuan and a mass of people all climbing over each other. Some people with blue headbands uh, wrapped around their head and looks like a giant tussle in that room. Uh, what's going on here? Well, this is democracy at its best. This would be the legislature floor, quite common for the microphones to be uh, <laughs> overtaken as to block an issue to be brought to the floor. That's democracy, uh, a very excited democracy here. And maybe this is uh, an image of Taiwan that people have seen, but m maybe sometimes they, they misinterpret it. When you look at this, what does this tell you about democracy in Taiwan? Uh, you know, a lot may be done for the media, the watching media. These people work together year round. Again, it may be seen as as a dysfunctional government, but it's very active, and it's uh, it's not as dysfunctional as it may look. You know, the mainland will say that Chinese culture is not ready for democracy, but Taiwan is a perfect example of success of an Asian country using democracy almost in its fullest extent. Taiwan should be proud of it being a success in this aspect. We've been speaking with the Associated Press's chief photographer of Taiwan, Wally Santana. Thanks for tuning into Taiwan Talk.
I'm Keith Manconi.